what is peace? What is peace? Perhaps for you, it's the absence of war. Certainly some would describe it that way. Maybe just the idea of calm, no disturbance, like, like a peaceful flowing river or a peaceful lake, just not many ripples. How do you view peace? What do you think peace is? If uh, you're like me and you have uh, children, four children, sometimes it's just like, man, I need some peace and quiet, right? Nobody else? It was supposed to be funny, but I, I, that's, that's real life. That's just real life. We, we, we know, I think we know peace. We experience it little. And really, peace is, though it has those elements, it's certainly, if we are not in wartime, that is considered peace. If there is calm and lack of disturbance, then that is peaceful. And I think those are true, but when you look at biblical peace, you, you, you kind of put some of those things together, but ultimately you come to the idea that Peace can only be accomplished by God's provision. Peace is a God thing. Peace is a godly thing. It's something that is given to us despite the lack of peace surrounding us. I think a great example is when when the, the storm was raging and Jesus was asleep on the boat and the disciples begin to uh, literally freak out because they're going to capsize. They've seen this before. They know it's bad. Jesus is asleep. And Jesus awakes and he says, Peace, be still, and the waters calm. But before the waters calmed, before the surrounding circumstances were calm, Jesus was already calm. Do you see what I'm saying? Peace is something that we can only attain or be given to us because God has given it to us because the world cannot give us peace. The world is at turmoil in every second, every moment that the world is spinning in its orbit it is not at peace. So peace, biblical peace, is a God thing. It's God's provision. And I would say it's even God's protection for you and me, for those who are His, those who call His name. We uh, experience peace. We experience God's protection over our lives. Now, I'm not saying, and I don't mean that we have protection in the way like we are never harmed or nothing ever happens to us. In fact, the Bible tells us otherwise. It says to count it all joy when you enter into various trials because the testing of your faith produces endurance. And so we can find peace when all is uh, coming around us, when we face all sorts of trials and difficulties in our lives. 
It's just this idea that God's got his hand on my life. And I can be okay with that because in the end, I know I will be okay. That is peace. And we need it. We need it. We need peace that is beyond a human understanding. That's what the Bible says, that we can have peace that surpasses understanding. We need this godly peace in our life. We need this godly perspective in our life. This idea of no matter what happens to me, God has his hand on me. And I am his. The providential hand of God in our lives is what we need to be focused on to understand peace. And when we do, a calm assurance that God has this in his capable hands can wash over us. Today we'll see a man whose life was upended in so many ways and he lived this type of peaceful life, peace-filled life because the providential protection of God was on his life. And it's Joseph And we don't know a lot about Joseph, though he's a very familiar person to us because every Christmas, for all of our lives, we look at little, beautiful little nativities like this, and there he is standing just so calmly with his staff. But biblically, we don't know a lot. Honestly, there's just a few verses to describe who he is and what he did and how he lived his life. And then once Jesus grows up, we don't see him anymore. So our assumption and our, rec- our acknowledgement is that he's passed away. But what we do know is that he was in the line of David because he had to go and fulfill a census in the town of David, in the line of David. We know that he was engaged to a young woman named Mary. And we know that he listened to God and obeyed him and found peace in the, most, in the midst of some of the most difficult circumstances. Let's read today in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, and then we're going to skip over to 2, 13 through 15, and, 8, and 19 through 23. So we're going to jump around a little bit just so we can see what's happening in Joseph's life. If you're able, would you stand out of the the honor to honor God's word and reverence of his word? Matthew chapter 1, 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Look at that phrase for just a moment. Let me just pause there for a moment. But after he had considered these things, then the angel appeared to him and gave him God's message. I think that's very important. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. To see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph awoke up, he did as the Lord the Lord's angel had commanded him, he married her. But did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 and following. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. And now jump to verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. In these passages, we see three things about peace from Joseph's life. And I want to point those out to you. And I think we can learn a lot for our own hearts and our own lives about what we need to experience this providential protection that God alone gives. Number one, peace comes to those made righteous. God's providential protection came to Joseph... The passages we read say that he, since he was a righteous man, he was planning to let Mary go on quietly. So what we understand in this is that he knew that he was betrothed to be married to her, that he was engaged to be married with her, but he knew that he didn't do anything that would cause her to be pregnant. And it's very interesting that he chose to do what he did because... It was okay for him, according to the law, to have her taken out into the streets and stoned to death, according to Levitical law. He could, have, he could have done that. But what the Bible says is that he was a righteous man. He was a man of righteousness, a man of peace. He did something different. He wasn't going to make a big fuss. He wasn't going to make a spectacle. He wasn't going to follow through with what he could have done according to the Levitical law. He was willing to concede and let her go away quietly. Matthew points out that it's his righteousness causing him to do this. His righteousness that made him to have this thought, this thought that he pondered before ever an angel of the Lord said, oh, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit's child. It's okay. He determined to do that before he ever heard a, a, a voice from the Lord because he was righteous. He was dialed in. He was tuned in to who God wanted him to be. 
So what is righteousness? If it's righteousness that gives us peace, if peace is related to righteousness, what is righteousness? What do we need to do to be righteous? It's godly good. Righteousness is a godly good. It's a quality only God and those who follow him can exude and have and exhibit. How do I know this? Well, we, we recently learned about the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus say to him? Why do you call me good? God alone is good. God alone is righteous. God alone is righteous. Paul, in writing to the Roman church, tells them in Romans 3.10, No one is righteous. No one No one has this godly good unless they know the God of good. Righteousness comes because we are dialed in to him. We are dependent upon him. We are looking to him. We are living for him in our lives. So we learn from the Council of Scripture that righteousness is a quality that only can be given by someone who is righteous giving to those who are living depending upon his righteousness and living rightly with God. Living rightly with God is where peace is found. Living rightly with God is where peace is found. You want to have peace? You want to be able to walk through this life that's always going to be in turmoil and have a calm about your life, a godly calm, a godly peace, you got to know God. you got to be dialed into God. And you've got to have a relationship with God. And He has to cover you. Living rightly with God is where peace is found. And you're able to overlook someone's wrongs because you're relying wholly upon God for all things, just like Joseph was able to look beyond what was perceived as wrong before he had all the information, and he would say, you know what? I can look beyond that and live my life wholly dependent upon God for all things. In this moment, I think it's very important for us to realize that righteousness is the requirement for you and I to be in the presence of God in heaven one day. Righteousness, perfection, holiness. And the only way you and I can find that was this baby that we're learning about, that we're singing songs about, that we, uh, we love and we decorate our house with, this child that grew up one day died on a cross. He himself was perfect, righteous, holy, sinless. And he died on the cross for you, for me, so that your sin could be taken away and that God could impute to you, place on you, cover you with his righteousness. Friends, without that, there is no hope and there is no peace. 
My prayer for you today, my prayer. We don't have to wait to the end of the service. We, we, you don't have to wait till I come down here and try to per, uh, persuade you to trust Christ like we normally do week to week. You can trust Jesus Christ right this moment. And it's simple as this. Jesus, I am a sinner. You are perfect. Jesus, I messed up. Jesus, you never did. Jesus, I am not righteous. Jesus, you are. Would you let your righteousness cover me? Would you cover me and forgive me of my sins? And friends, that is what makes us righteous. That's what makes us worthy of peace for our souls. The second thing we see, peace produces obedience. I love what you see several times, and I hope you already saw it, but what I see in Joseph's life several times, the angel of the Lord delivered God's message, and what does it say? Joseph did it. The angel of the Lord said, hey, you better go to Egypt, and the Bible says he did. The angel of the Lord said, hey, that's the son of, uh, that is the son of man in, inside your uh, fiance's womb, and that was put there by God Almighty and the Holy Spirit. Don't you fret. And the Bible says that Joseph married her name, and, and would eventually name him Jesus, the one who saves his people from their sins. When God said, hey, it's time to go back, the Bible says Joseph did it. Joseph was an obedient man. And when we have peace in our lives, when we understand the peace from God on high in our lives, it leads to us also being obedient in our lives. Joseph heard from God and obeyed God. And when we hear God's word, we must obey. If we will have peace, if our lives will be uh, consumed by the providential protection of God Almighty, then you and I will obey him, live for him, commit our lives to him. We'll realize that he's in control and we can say, I don't understand what lies ahead, but God knows. And Lord, I know that you told me what to do and I'm going to do it trusting you to keep me as I go. Relying upon God with all of our lives leads us to the point when, we'll, when he says to do something, we do it. Be obedient to God today. Be obedient to God today and find peace. The third thing we see is that peace, trust in the midst of turmoil. <clears throat> Can you imagine? We skipped a whole section there where Herod brutally goes and finds all the children, all the boys that would be around the age of Jesus and has them brutally murdered. Can you imagine that's what you're fleeing from? We read that story, and it's like we missed that part altogether because we, you know, we've got uh, ornaments and twinkling lights and all that. We've put all the beauty around it. We forget that in this moment, Jesus' family had to flee death, imminent death. Joseph led his family in the midst of some of the greatest difficulties and the greatest trials and the greatest hardships ever known to anyone, anyone that any of us have to face. I'm not saying that ours are, are, are any less the trials and, and tribulations we face, but that's pretty doggone hard to have to flee 
and find a place of respite somewhere else. And that's what Joseph had to lead his family into. But he trusted God in the midst of that great difficulty. He trusted him in the midst of that turmoil. He trusted him with his very life, knowing that God had been faithful again and again and again, and he knew that God would be faithful still. Friends, can I, can I just remind us? Can I just remind you that God is faithful? God will be with us. Doesn't mean we won't have to go through trial. Doesn't mean we won't have to go through turmoil. Doesn't mean that we won't have to go through difficulty, but God is there with us. No matter what you face, no matter what's happened in your life in the past, no matter what's going before you and you have no idea of, God will be with you. And that peace to know that helps us to trust him. Not knowing what lies ahead, not knowing what's to come, not knowing what's on the other side of a cancer diagnosis, not, under, not knowing what's on the other side of a, a difficulty that you face or a job loss, not knowing what, what you're going to do uh, to get food upon your table. Whatever thing we face, whatever thing is happening to us or has happened to us or will happen to us, God is with us through it all to walk us through the midst of the turmoil, to walk with us hand in hand, to give us peace and bring us con uh, to contentment in him, knowing that he is there with us to protect us and to hold us and to keep us. And even if, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow to your idol. We will not bow to you because we worship God and God alone. And so we will go into that fire, and God will protect us. But if he chooses not to, we're still going because we trust him more than we trust you. Can I just say, can I just say, this world, our government, uh, the world in general, the news media, everyone wants you to trust them ultimately. To bow down, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to bow down to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. And they want you to believe, we've got it in control. We're, you just trust us, we'll take care of it. Friends, we cannot trust anyone more than we trust Christ. Christ will guide us through God. Christ will lead us. And even if it doesn't turn out well for us in the end, we will be with him in the end. That is what drives our peace. It has nothing to do with what will happen to us in this life, on this earth. It has everything to do with that. God is our God, and he is eternal. And our reward is not here. Our reward is in heaven and in him. And that type of peace, that type of trust, should be what is at the core of our hearts that leads us and guides us every day to be obedient to him no matter what, to be obedient to Christ no matter what lies ahead. That's my prayer. It's easy to trust when things are going easy and going well. 
How hard is it to trust when we don't know what lies ahead? But the thing we do know is that he has already made the path before us. And so we can trust in him. I want to pray. And I just ask that God would help us. He just help us to trust him and to have peace knowing his providential hand is on us. Let's pray. And if God is moving in your heart today, would you come, respond to him? Whether it's just to come and pray, whether it's just to sit where you are and ask God to help you to have peace, to trust him. Whatever God is leading you to, would you follow him in this moment? God, we thank you. We thank you that you You care. You care about Derek Fielder. You know what I face. You know what's before me that I have no idea of. So help me, Lord, not to fret. Help us to find peace this Christmas season and the fact that Christ your providential hand is over us Lord I pray if today someone doesn't know you as Savior Lord would you lead them and guide them to you Lord would you work in their hearts if anyone here Lord needs to just depend upon you a little bit more trust you more be wholly caught up in who you are. Help us to do that today, Lord. Speak to our hearts and do what you can only do, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as you stand? We're going to sing. If God is moving in your life, you'd like to make any kind of decision or you'd love to just come and pray, I'd love to pray with you. Come. I'd love to that opportunity. Let's sing.